Hey now, what I got, I got to give it to your mama. <laughs> what I got, I got to give it to your papa. Put it in ya. Wanna <laughs> <it>, don't stop, <laughs> continue. <laughs> Realize. <laughs> Welcome to What Is Goat. I'm John Severnapolillo here, as always, with Jamie Fry. Yo, what up? (laughs) (laughs) Jamie wants to do a quick correction on something from our Queen episode. Okay, so in the first five seconds of Queen, we decided to talk about why Freddie Mercury is, is the greatest of all time. And I said something that was incorrect, which is I said that he might be considered the best white singer. Now, Freddie Mercury is not white at all. Both, both his uh, parents are Parson. He's Persian, basically. He's just a not a white man by any regard. I think what I was getting at is that all the best singers are black. Otis <laughs> Redding, Sam Cooke, Ella Fitzgerald, James Brown, they are all black. And I was trying to say he, he is the best singer that is not in that category. But he's certainly not white, and I will never, ever... <laughs> Call Freddie Mercury a white man ever again. You heard it here on What Is Goat. <laughs> Today we have a special guest with us, the former drummer of the Brooklyn What and current drummer of No Ice, Mr. Jesse Katz. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Give me, give me your best flea. Bell, bing, dink, dink. <laughs> that was yeah. almost a little more Seinfeld, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, there's a large crossover <laughs> there. What's the deal sure. with these guys? <laughs> Today we're talking about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, if you could not tell, uh, recent rock and roll Hall of Fame inductees. Um, you know, usually we're pretty uh, freewheeling here on the podcast, but I think it's important that we start today with a quote from the great Nick Cave, which is, I'm forever near a stereo saying, what the fuck is this garbage? And the answer is always the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So thank you for that, Mr. Nick Cave. I was thinking about this on the way here. I think it's very possible that the Red Hot Chili Peppers are the band that had been played the most to me in my life, regardless of if I listen to them. Not to say that I haven't listened to them, because I've listened to them very much. That being said, Mm. wouldn't you say you're a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan? I wouldn't say that I'm a fan. I grew up... (laughs) I I grew... All right. No, you know what? Wow. All right, all right, all right, all right. right. (laughs) Mysteries revealed. I would say I grew up with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I have an affection to some of their music. Do I think that they're the GOAT? Absolutely not. Do I think they're treated fairly in the annals of rock history? No. I think that popular opinion has turned on them in a way that I believe is unfair. Jesse? I would preface this whole discussion by saying that I did a lot of drugs in high school (laughs) and I did a lot of drugs in college. (laughs) And... um, Intrinsically, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are a band that attracts drug users <laughs> and non-drug users as well. As well, um, but they're uh, really for everybody. They're for everybody. <laughs> uh, so I continued to like them through the Californication and, by the way, periods for sure. Um, as I was still doing drugs at that moment. Um, Did you like them as- before you did drugs? Yes, actually. Uh, and I think actually one of the things that drew me to them because, uh, you know, I think in pre-internet days you had to get your like swear words and your kind of, 
you know, language about sex and drugs and rock and roll from somewhere and he had to get something dangerous, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, Sir Psycho Sexy from uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic is, you know, kind of that definitive um, song that just has like the most horrible, um, you know, awful sexual deviancy language that you want to hear when you're 12 years old and you don't know what any of this stuff means and it's like so exciting and weird but like it's so, sure psycho know. sexy the song where he gets stopped by a lady cop in it is. <laughs> she said what's up now spread your legs <laughs> try to cop a few you know they, they that's the real lyrics right from the real band <laughs> verbatim they've always occupied sort of like two separate existences and, mm. and that's one of them is this sort of faux funk juvenile sexual humorous type of, of vibe and then the part that is supposed to be serious the sort of introspective drug-addled part the you're under the bridge breaking the girl the mm. sort of balladry it's really odd when you think about it that this same band has these sort of two parallel lives i love their ballads how about this here's what i'll say about that i'm gonna go back and revisit i'm a fan of the tender moments in the red hot chili peppers career at this point a lot of the white boy funk i could take or leave though i give them credit for doing it uh but there are some really beautiful ballads i think the scar tissue is a beautiful song it's sort of examination of the uh, beast of burden groove it has that kind of mid-period stones like jaggery kind of like white boy sensitive soul kind of thing i think it's a beautiful song i think soul to squeeze which first appeared on the coneheads movie soundtrack <laughs> yeah. is an absolutely gorgeous song there are a lot of uh, fallacies no pun intended about the red hot chili peppers <laughs> anthony kiedis is a wonderful crooner on record i think live it's a disaster. It is not good. <laughs> but he's delivered some really tender, excellent vocals. I, I feel like my entire childhood, adolescence, teenage years, I was always writing that line. With every album that came out, I would say, do I? I think I kind of like this. I think I kind of. And then I was in college and I heard the words on the radio Hey yo, listen what I say yo. And I said, fuck this band. I don't know. I remember that feeling of almost finding that confusing of like, they're sort of a funk band, but they're sort of like emotional, but also none of these lyrics mean anything. Yeah, but that album won a Grammy, John. <laughs> so lots well, of people like it. I don't think there's any defending uh, third wave red hot chili peppers and i i think that <laughs> so what is the third wave is Danny well, no, California I, no I would say that the first wave would describe <laughs> the, the funk. funk punk is what they were described as because they were from the right. la scene um fishbone jane's addiction primus etc honestly a very uh experimental forward-thinking musical scene there's something that I always defend about the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the other groups I mentioned, but that are not as maligned as the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are maligned by the current, like, critical opinion. Unlike most rock music of the last 20 years, they engage funk, jazz, 
R&B, reggae, whatever influence. They combined with punk and metal. And, like, they were pretty fearless about, you know, wanting to sound like Funkadelic or Sly Stone or something. And most rock music is white people sounding like other white people at this point. And there's something courageous about them not giving a shit about that boundary whatsoever. Now, some people might call it cultural appropriation, and that would be 100% valid. Some people might call it like, call it like white boy nonsense, <laughs> and that is 100% valid. I would never argue that is not stupid or derivative in a dumb way. But when that left rock music, it made a kind of humorless uh, collegiate feeling that sometimes I'll be listening to something like that, like something that's popular, like NPR or something like that, which is kind of good. But, you know, maybe I want to hear like what I got. I got to get it put in here. Or, like, <laughs> this you know, music does not like lack that. for humor. You're you right know, about that. I, like there's something that's there's something that's it's too serious, serious about shitting on the Red Hot Chili Peppers because they are pretty fun. And they're like they have legitimately funky parts, and if you like funk, you'd have to be like, "This is funky." Well, you know, here, wait on the criteria wait. of pump being those brakes, pump <laughs> those brakes. Hot take, <laughs> hot take. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are not funky, and I know they are, in air quotes, funk music. They're punk funk. They are not funky. They have a song called "Funky Monks." Oh, they sure do. They use all the signifiers of funk music. And somehow, what about something like funky. "Knock Me Down"? That's a that's a totally funky song. It's it is all funk adjacent. It is all funk related. On paper, it is funky. It has slap bass. It has wild, fast lyrics. But you know what? It is really lacking. And this is the litmus test. As as the arbiter of funk, here is my litmus <laughs> test. <laughs> I've never heard a Red Hot Chili Peppers song and wanted to dance. Not oh, once in my life. Oh my god! Not oh, once I've in my to life. Red Hot Chili Peppers many Feel many no times. No way in any way close to the way I feel when I hear James Brown or Sly Stone or Prince. There is something about that music that is so infectious within everybody it's hearing because it. because Chad Smith doesn't play the quarter note four on the floor. <laughs> he does the overplaying, you know, a alternative a rock that yeah. he plays. That He goes all for it. I would go further on that to present the analogy of Red Hot Chili Peppers are to funk as Led Zeppelin is to blues, mm, which is I like that. not exactly a blues band, but a band that is playing rock music that sounds like blues and like overplaying that, that element, but like, you know, doing it in the way that, you know, a, a young white male would enjoy, <laughs> um, which is uh, the same thing that the Red Hot Chili Peppers are doing about funk. But if you were to compare the Red Hot Chili Peppers to say the Walkman or the National oh, certainly. or something. Certainly. Wouldn't they seem like oh, the most sure. funky band ever sure. by that comparison? Yeah. I'm just saying that there was something. Yeah, that, but you can that, always compare something that is a tiny bit funky to something that is has no funk at all and it will be greater than. But that doesn't mean in the grand paradigm of music, especially in funk music. If you're putting them in the paradigm of funk music, they are the least funky of the funk music. Fine. <laughs> but since they started as essentially punks in the same way that other just like LA punk bands sure. came. They did something brave to get to that. They are actually, I mean, they use the word uh, freak many times throughout, you Freaky. know, the lyrics and album titles <laughs> of their songs. I think there is something actually like freaky and outsider and weird about them, which rock uh, criterium has become a little like 
nose turned up too, which I think is a bad movement in rock and roll, not a good movement. I think rock and roll should be kind of freaky and weird. And those guys are fucking weird. It is a kind of bizarre group. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I give them credit for that. Absolutely. I, I think you're dead on about all of that in terms of how weird they are, in terms of we don't need such self-seriousness in rock music. It's okay to have fun, and they're definitely having fun some of the time. <laughs> then some of the time they're talking about how hard it is to be a junkie, and some of the time they're talking about, I have no idea what, and I don't <laughs> think anyone does. I think you were really onto something with Chad Smith, too. I think that sort of leaden playing, that heavy, his playing is much more that of a band like Guns N' Roses. It is not light. Chili Peppers music is for the most part, very weighty. Yeah. I definitely think that it's a band of uh, Jesus Christ's. I think each one has their own personal cross to bear uh, in, in the band. And I think Flea's personal cross is that he's the only, like excellent musician in the band um you don't think frusciante was excellent i well i frusciante could be excellent in certain contexts for sure i don't um, think he's excellent <laughs> anthony kiedis he brings it he brings a unique element i'm not sure what um he definitely has a lot of muscles i don't know his hair is long his hair is long not anymore his hair was long when he when he, at the peak of his power he had very long hair and was Samson and was and and a, and a nice physique Sounds like a real fan. That's yeah. when that's what you can say about them. I there's something I like about Keith. He has yeah. a likable thing to him. I mean, like you can make fun of him, and I do, <laughs> as we all do. But you want to be able to make fun of your rock stars. There is, you yeah, to, you know, rock and roll is is supposed to be fun. It ha it can't be this absolutely serious pursuit. But here's where I here's where I I I, I challenge you is that that's all it was. I would agree with you. But I often think about the fandom of the Red Hot Chili Peppers in the same vein as the fandom of a band like Tool, mm. which is to people who don't get it, it's like, what the fuck is this nonsense? Who is this guy? Who is this like silly dude? But to those who get it, it is held up as something far more high-minded. So you, you guys are joking about John Frusciante. As somebody who learned guitar in the aughts, Frusciante is held up as some sort of modern day Hendrix. I do not know why. He's on the cover of every guitar magazine when you're a kid. They have tabs every month for fucking Chili Pepper songs. And so it's not like, oh, well, they're just fun and they're harmless and they're whatever. They're looked at. <laughs> they're insidious. They're, no. <laughs> they're looked at as legendary by those who, they are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame while half of every other band I love is not. I can think of about a hundred bands that should be in there first. If if that's what it is, if it's just fun music, you know. Well, they definitely work super hard. Like every single album that they put out is twice as long as it should be. Yeah. There's like, and even and even beyond that, there's like thirty unreleased tracks per album. Like the last uh, album that came out after Stadium Arcadium, which is like a double album and has I think twenty eight songs on it. It was supposed to have thirty. I'm in you. I'm. <laughs> I believe it's I'm uh, with you. I'm <laughs> with you. <laughs> I mean, you would have been the early Chili you. Peppers. <laughs> that album was supposed to have like 40 songs or something. Oh and like, oh. they, and like they, they were all really sad that they couldn't include all of them in there. So, I mean, they work really hard. So if getting in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is about working hard, you know, they certainly 
record a lot of songs. It's you don't get in for making the best effort. You they get in from in. having the best body of work. They got yeah. in because they have like twenty five hits. Sure, and they, they have a ton of hits. Sure, if that's that's the game that these people play, and they just you know, I think Blood Sugar Sex Magic has like six hits on it. Yeah, and, and it's a good record. Yeah. That's a good album. It is a long album. <laughs> it's it's so it's, funny how opinion has changed because I remember I read a lot of music magazines at the end of the 90s before there was a lot of internet stuff to read. I used to read a lot of like Rolling Stone, Spin, Q, etc. And they all had these end of the year, end of the decade, like best albums of the decade. And Blood Sugar, Sex Magic was on all of them. Oh, yeah. And it is a great record. I would stand yeah. up for the record. And it's kind of got good production on it. It's uh, Rick Rubin, you know, that might be peak Rubin, and, or at least second wave peak Rubin, <laughs> you know. It's not LL Cool J or Public yeah. Enemy or anything, but uh, it's a cool record. It's definitely one of my favorite records of all time, but I will also say that it is not a well-structured record. It's there is like, too much on the there's record. There's too much on it. They, and they give it, away too much. They give away too much, <laughs> and all of the ballads come too early, I think, and then it's like kind of like for folks who don't enjoy the super uh super funk you know of, yeah, really, of that um, era the cocky the cocky funk devil in my dick into demons in my semen um <laughs> that lasts for like the last two-thirds of the that album is, it's it like basically that so yes. it gets yeah but that has i could have lied and you know what that's a soulful song but you yeah. don't see i could have lied is, yeah. as a is a sweet soulful ballad with an excellent Vocal performance. But you don't see any sort of cognitive dissonance here. You don't feel... Because I feel whiplash when I go from, yeah, you know, heart-wrenching ballad to <laughs> Sir Psycho Sexy or whatever, or the, the fucking song. Life is about contradictions. How about how about this? If, it's, if, it's, if I'm going too far as to say that half of this music is stupid, capital S stupid. Oh, more than half of it. I, th it, I think I think you could you could bump that up. I think that if you are not in if you're not being stuffy about it, there's plenty of good things going on in the group. And Blood Sugar Sex Magic is better than fucking almost every new record I've heard for a really 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 long time. And even Californication, that's a pretty you know there's a lot of good stuff on that record. They don't make records like that anymore <laughs> i'm having a hard time <laughs> i think actually I, I this would be a good time to mention one hot minute which is where dave navarro comes into that play might be my favorite record and it might be them. the best record that's because absolutely it's my favorite. constructed in a way that there's minimum whiplash i think and there's some kind of more artfully displayed songs there there's definitely like a different mood going on and a deeper exploration of some of uh, Kiedis's, um weird LSD visions, um, <laughs> which I sympathize with more. That's a moment where Kiedis is almost profound is on that one hot minute record because it's in, it's in a real weird transition. They became really, really big. Then they lost a guitar player and they got another definitely better guitar player <laughs> who was much, much better. And then I think Flea stepped up and started writing songs. So you have some like, cool like neil young beatles prince influence stuff that's kind of like poppy and airplane is on that airplane yeah. is to me five star song 
And what was the uh, deep kick? That yeah, song rules. Kick. That's another. Uh, An aeroplane. Chad actually does play the four on the floor. He does right? at the end. He plays a funk beat <laughs> one time. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I love that record. Yeah. That is the one Chili Peppers record I can honestly say I really like. I'm also a way bigger Jane's Addiction fan than I am Chili Peppers fan. And I think the best move they made was at least having one record with Navarro on guitar. I think it beats every Frusciante moment. And that is not a popular opinion amongst Red Hot Chili Peppers Nobody fans. likes that album. Nobody likes yeah. it. I don't get... Maybe there's something true there since Jane's Addiction are not nearly as popular as the Chili Peppers are. That record also has the awesome song P, which <laughs> is uh, just bass and vocals. And it has like a amazing display of uh you know bravado from Kitas there no Fle- uh, the flea sings that no i think Kitas is, 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 is what did it really i think flea sings that song i'm a fuck little you pig. asshole <laughs> you're homophobic redneck dick <laughs> i love that line and it's like yeah, then you're good. like you know they're they're <laughs> that's woke <laughs> one of the woke moments in the history of the red hot chili peppers um i will admit uh, something painful for a Red Hot Chili Peppers hater to admit <laughs> that in one of these brief moments where I thought maybe, maybe, just maybe in my youth I could turn into a Chili Peppers fan, I auditioned to get in to the music program at our high school, Edward Armour High School, by singing the song Other Side by the Red Hot Chili Whoa. Peppers. <laughs> and you know what? I got in. <laughs> Other side won a contest at a summer camp I went to for the top songs about suicide, <laughs> which is like, why are you having this contest at summer camp for children? And it was it was that uh, or Blink 182's uh, Adam's song, and uh, oh, and Jumper from Third Eye Blind, and Other Side won. Man, there was a lot of songs about suicide. That's it's crazy how much like. Surprise! Our everyone our age didn't just kill themselves. The other songs on the fucking radio, under the bridge is like, it's like about doing heroin under the bridge. Essentially, this was their biggest hit. <laughs> this is a song I heard every day for ten years. Yeah. <laughs> it was taken from a book of poetry that uh, uh, Anthony Kiedis had been keeping, and Rick Rubin, I think, found. Or no, maybe Frusciante found it, and uh, they were like, "What is this?" He was like, "Oh, it's just some poems I had." And they were like, you should, you should put it, put it in the music. Cause like he hadn't been doing that. He'd been just like, you know, bringing like, <laughs> like for most of it. You and stop like, just writing about sex for one second. Can you write another song about heroin, please? <laughs> the lyrical prowess of Anthony Kiedis, the sort of faux rapping. If I feel like if you're really honest with yourself, if you're listening to it and you're not thinking about the legacy of this huge rock band, it doesn't even approach the level of like your average person in a freestyle battle. Like he had all the time in the world to write these <laughs> lyrics on paper. And if you heard these lines, California, and you heard that in a fucking freestyle, you'd be like, oh, that guy's not good enough. But for some reason, we give Anthony Kiedis a pass with all this nonsense. There's no subtext to most Chili Peppers material. It is text. It is surface level. <laughs> yeah. It is... Under the bridge downtown, I drew. Some, what could he possibly mean? No, it's just that. I put what the. There's the well, fucking think, song about I stuck my fingers in your blood. He he wrote a whole song about presumably for junior high school children about what it's like 
to have sex with a woman when she's on her period. The purple stain. The purple stain. I knew this was going to come up. What a goddamn genius. <laughs> what a profound artiste. The, and you know what? It plays to that, and we were all 12, 13, and 14. This is the kind of music for that. It's for like kids who are like, oh my God, listen to what he said. He said a dirty thing. I mean, does it still hold up? Can you listen to that now and be like, no, this I guy's wanna, got I, it. I don't want to hear that ever again. No, you, 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 you got me. Well, I, there's, I mean, there's I, something about that, that, uh, the, 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 you know, that crass on the uh, surface level nature that is like, in sh- that, that is rock and roll. Like, I mean, Rolling Stone stuff. Nobody, <laughs> look, my, my favorite artist of all time is Prince. So I'm not gonna be here to be prudish about how people shouldn't write, frankly, about sex and be funny and free about it. But I don't know. When I hear Anthony Kiedis talk about just about any topic, but especially that, it's like, are you even trying, dude? Are you just like, did you spend 30 seconds on this and laugh your ass off and press record? No, this is the part of rock and roll that's aged the worst. Like, these guys, like, talking about, you know, just... Just like the male conversation of sex, like this is the dumbest part of rock and roll. This is a part that like should not probably move forward. Yeah, you know, like even like you know, like the parts of like Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stone. It's like I don't, you don't want to talk about sex. It's just it's so dumb. Like that's like the least cool part of that music. And I mean, like it's... squeeze my lemon, baby, till the juice <laughs> Wait, squeeze runs down my lemon. Eye. You know, I was say. and again. Again, not without a sense but, of humor about it, but it, it's the stupidest part. The worst part about the Red Hot Chili Peppers is their opinions on sex that they have to like share in their records. <laughs> I would say that would be like the most like cringeworthy thing where you're just like, what? Come on. Yeah, I'm not trying to police anything, but I'm just trying to like be real about like, come on, dude. No, they also come engage on. in like, because they're coming, they're still like, you know, coming from that hard rock groupieism kind of background they're disgusting pigs they're yeah fucking i mean awful. it's not i'm, I'm not <laughs> i'd say best case best case scenario they're chauvinist worst case scenario is that they should go to jail <laughs> that's what i would say probably about the members of the red hot Chili. Yeah. i think there's i think there's tons there's such a great lineage like you're saying of music about sex about drugs about all kinds of things but at its best it elevates it or at least puts a real effort in and maybe there's moments of that obviously like under the bridge is like a very earnest song very popular but there's so many more moments where it just feels like like what what the fuck is this like it doesn't it doesn't hold up today it for a lot of it and not everything can but that's i think what makes a band the goat or makes them legendary is you can hear an album completely out of context. You can hear an album at any point in history and you can understand it. You can feel it. You can have a gut reaction to it and it can work out of time. I don't know that this does it. I mean, I think it feels a lot of it feels dated now and they're all still alive and performing. Mm. Oh, they're totally dated. I mean, they're eighties, but they're, they're like funk. The funk punk material is like very, very dated. The point where I don't know if anyone really is into that anymore. But I think there's like, like a certain, members. yeah, I, I think there's like a certain intuitiveness about their about the songs and about even about like the stupidity of like some of the lyrics is that when you're like starting out with your rock band in high school, I mean, I'm like incredibly biased because like my high school band was that. 
the way the overplaying on on certain parts in the drums and the guitar and the bass talking about these stupid things it's like this kind of like exercise that has to be performed you're doing the thing that needs to be done even though and you're not doing it like particularly well but like that's what it is but i think as we get older there's music that can be enjoyed strictly as nostalgia and music that can be be enjoyed beyond that and there's the music that you listened to when you were a kid and you go back and you listen and you go, oh my God, I can't believe it's still so great. It's still, I'm still enjoying it so much. And then there's the stuff you go back and you listen to and you kind of cringe a little bit, whether or not, maybe you still enjoy it a little bit, but it's very different than at age 12 or 13. Is that fair? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, the Red Hot Chili Peppers is, is essentially an exercise in like male camaraderie bullshit. <laughs> But it is a phase that we go through right? in our, you know, in our formative years. Yeah. And I certainly did. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. That's something. And I would say there would be, let's say, at least 10 songs, maybe 15 songs that, like, I think are good, but also I find touching. Maybe because I listened to them when I was younger and it reminds me of certain stuff. But... I don't think that we should ignore their sensitive side. I think their sensitive side deserves some credit, more credit than it gets. I think the other side that we just talked about, absolutely, like, there's no defending it. (laughs) You know, there's, there's like, that Purple Stain song is, like, ridiculous. (laughs) And just a lot, a lot of that stuff is, like, really silly. But I kind of, they're, they're bound to something to it, like, road tripping from Californication. Mm. If you're on a road trip, you put that song on, you're in the car, like, it's you great. know, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. You can't, you know, there's <laughs> Simple a real pleasure. There's a real feeling yeah. attached or like another ballad, like, um, one hot minute, the song, my friends. Now it's kind of juvenile. Oh. It's like, but it has a sweetness to it. It's like experience where like his girlfriend is in um, a mental facility or something like that. And Ex- it's like, your friend called me uh, or something like, right. There's some song. narrative yeah. like that. And it's kind of a touching song, and I feel like I'll always feel that way. Yeah, there's definitely some sweetness to a lot of those, especially to the ballads. And and I don't know, maybe that's what kept me reeled in for so long of feeling like, this is not a band I like, but I keep buying each CD, and I'm not sure why, you know? And I, I even right up until, um, by the way... I you know I even I had that. I bought and it was, by the way. Yeah. I mean, and oh yeah. Do they? Everybody have, did. It sold a billion records. <laughs> yeah. Do they have? And this is me trying to be diplomatic. Do they have one single perfect record? Because I don't think so. No. <laughs> um. I like them all. <laughs> Jesse storms out. It depends. Um, I wouldn't say Stadium Arcane is a perfect record at all, but um, far from it. But um, I listened to it one time at a party. I went to a party and I didn't know anybody there and got like too stoned and I was sitting in a chair. Somebody put on Stadium Arcadium and the record played and then like played again and then like kept playing and like I looked on like my phone or whatever and like I've been here for hours and like this record is still going (laughs) and like I was like couldn't tell if it was on repeat. Maybe that's a good record. Really? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I can listen to it one time. I, nope. I just I Danny do. California on the record. Yep. Yeah. And Heyo, what I yeah. say. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I really? Know. I mean, my favorite record is probably. I don't. I. I would say, by the way, just because it's at that point in time, I was so excited when it came out, 
and I was just like, I attached myself to. I was standing in line. I was standing in line. See the show. Um, like the new melodic influence, it seemed like they had realized what they were going for on Californication. Californication is way much more depressing than By the Way. By the Way is like really jubilant. They they like melded the funk shit with the with the melody stuff and like the sad. So it was like you know you had some some more poppy things happening. And uh, yeah, the songs were fun. You could like you know play along. They had Cabron, which is a good song. It's acoustic. There's different levels, different different textures going on a little bit. Um, you guys are really rolling your eyes here. But uh, <laughs> look at your look at your watches. But Watching them play the Super Bowl with Bruno Mars was not fun for me. <laughs> they also didn't they, play. It made me feel that rock was dead. They were not there. <laughs> Their instruments were not plugged in. Yeah, it was just like, nope. why even bother? Was, why even bother? That was not like they defended themselves. Good. They said that's what everybody does. Not true. That's what everybody. Does. Flea said he called not Mike true. Watt on the phone, and I was like, should we do this? And Mike Watt was like, I don't really care. Or <laughs> something like, don't worry about it, or something like that. I think I heard of the following three bands that I would go on to love: The Minutemen, Bad Brains, and Gang of Four. I think I heard of all three of these bands for the first time in description of the influences of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And the same thing with uh, Parliament Funkadelic. So in the same way that like Nirvana helped a lot of indie rock bands, uh, you know, gain a fan base with all their, you know, record buyers, which were many. And they had that as, to them as well. I mean, the Minutemen are really good and really important. They should probably be in the Hall of Fame, not the Red Hot Chili Peppers, as is Gang of Four and Bad Brains. However, those bands will never be in the fucking Rock and Roll yeah. Hall of Fame because they never had a hit. They didn't sell records. And most people find them impossible to listen to. Somehow, those same people who like probably could not handle entertainment by Gang of Four like, love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> There's just some something about them they just love. I don't know. Yeah, but a lot of the later fans don't didn't get into it back you know blood sugar sex magic or prior to that and like there's a lot of new fans who came in on stadium arcadium and after that and it's like a much more accessible you know mainstream kind of feel and it's like easier to get into easier to dance to maybe it's more compressed it's not as freaky and weird it's like already been kind of you know accepted into the you know the pop rock milieu <laughs> so i mean uh it's that's a different demographic and it's it's interesting because when like we were in high school listening to that stuff it felt a little bit more edgy it felt a little different and weirder and it wasn't like you know everybody was listening to this you know or at least maybe maybe a couple of years before us too um but like now it's like oh well, they have a grammy and like they're you know they're everywhere they're playing egypt and I, I, I think the perfect encapsulation of my issue with their zero subtext is that they played Radiohead's Pyramid song when they played the Pyramid of Giza. <laughs> Jesse, can you speak to, as a fan, where the sort of high-mindedness comes in? Because, okay, it's funk music. It's fun. It, or supposed to be, as I, as I would say. And a lot of it's silly. Where does the narrative turn into like, no, this is like profound and important? I think it's because people, you feel a relationship to the the artist. You feel akin, like in in some of the simplicity of of the lyrics and the express the emotions expressed. There's like a kinship you feel. You feel like 
you could do those songs or you could play those things. It's cutting through bullshit in ways like it's not it's not being careful or, or trying to construct itself. Was Chad Smith a big influence on you as a drummer? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for... Do you think that maybe you're better than Chad Smith? <laughs> <laughs> but I will answer that question on his behalf. No, he Because I don't even... I think I thought that Chad Smith was good. But now I I don't think I don't think he's so good. I mean, I, he's, he's technically very skilled, but I, I Jesse may be a better German. No. I'm just gonna put it out there on the podcast. There is Ugh. no soul in what Chad Smith does. There's and he's got a really heavy foot. Yes. I would say I would say his heavy foot is annoying. I was definitely pleasantly surprised. I saw a video of them playing live in the By the Way tour, and like he was playing too fast on everything and that made me happy <laughs> he's like tasteful by certain standards but he's tasteful compared to like danny carey but you know i mean that's a different field so i don't know when was mm. the last time you put on a, a red hot chili peppers record oh oh my god wow <laughs> now now i feel like shit <laughs> Probably the last time was one hot minute, actually. And it was, yeah, probably like about a year ago or something like that. Jamie? I was on a road trip and uh, with our friend John Rudifer. Ah. And, you know, when he picked the music, it would often be the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But this was great. Road trip music. Road trip in with my two favorite allies. <laughs> Listen, I believe that I am a snob. And I think I was too sophisticated for this music by the time I turned 15 or 16. But I'm not so serious that I can't just call fun fun. Mm. And that's it's it's fun for me to hear the chili peppers sometimes. Sometimes it's bad. But if I wrote 10 ballads as good as their 10 best ballads, I'd be pretty proud of myself. They're pretty well written songs. On a totally objective level. If you did like if you did not, let's say you heard these songs and you never saw the guys or like the long-haired idiot singing them, you might be like, these are some pretty Neil Young-y kind of ballads. I'll stand by that. There could, there could definitely only be one Red Hot Chili Pepper. Like, Flea is a really unique personality. There's no other Flea. He's not really like anyone else. Like, where do they find this guy? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. their Chili Peppers can only be themselves. Yeah. And cannot be I think that's one of the problems else. with one of their, their newer records that they did. I think that they did with Danger Mouse, maybe, or whatever. And right, it's like, right. and uh, it's, and it's like interesting. It's like a, it's fun to see, like a, it's always fun to see a new take of like a band that you like, that like doing something different or like stranger, like in a, in a different lens. But like, it's almost like the drums are like, they're compressed in a way that are like, they're like that they're a little bit understated. And it's like, you don't really want to hear that. You want to hear them really big. And like, you want Chad to be like giant. And you have you guys either of you seen them live? Yes. I have not Never seen them. I've always wanted to. Oh, they suck. No, I will sub in all this time of you defending them. That's your take is that no, they sucked live. Oh, they're awful. <laughs> I saw them. I think when, by the way, it came out. And the opening was the Mars Volta, which I thought was the oh. worst band I had seen. I hadn't seen a million bands at that point, but the Mars Volta were like, like, like the four members of Led Zeppelin, like not communicating sure with each other. Just to make sure that no one thinks I'm too snobby, I'll cut myself down for this episode. I really like the Mars Volta. <laughs> a lot of people do. <laughs> wow. And then Queens of Stone Age played, who were just like at their absolute peak, and they were really good. And then the, the Chili Peppers came on, and they just seemed so boring compared to Queens of Stone Age. And Anthony Kiedis, 
does not have it live, or at least mm-hmm. at this point in his career, he was doing his bell like like something like other side. The vocals were an absolute fucking mess. Oof. Jamie, you've been writing so hard from this whole time. I feel like this is like an M Night Shyamalan ending. <laughs> 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 he said they sucked the whole time. <laughs> Red Hat Chili thoughts? Peppers, not not the goat. Definitely the goat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Not you did sorry. not convince me that they suck. I still love them. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoy yes. it. <laughs> wave, wave your freak flag. Uh, well, thank you for joining us, Jesse. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Such a pleasure. <laughs> thank you for listening to What is Goat? Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast, Apple Music or Google Play. And also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What is Goat Pod. We've been posting companion playlists for each episode, so you can dig a little deeper and see if you agree with us or not. I'm John Napolillo. I'm Jimmy Fry. Thanks, guys. Thanks.